Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Road to Success podcast. My name is Maddie Lovell and today I am chatting with Paralympian Sophie Pascoe. Here we go, episode three. Thank you so much for joining me, man, oh man, I really appreciate it. Today, chatting with Sophie Pascoe, Paralympian. Holy moly, she is amazing. We start off chatting about her accident, the accident where she lost part of one of her legs. We have a chat about turning adversity into success and why adversity can actually be so powerful. We talk about defining success. She's got a really cool definition of and way of measuring her own success, which is incredible. We talk about becoming famous, which of course she has. She's become so popular now here in New Zealand. I was very lucky to be able to get this interview. I know how busy she is. And we talk about life after swimming and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's a great interview. Thank you to Sophie for joining me and please enjoy. Right, right, Sophie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. No worries. Hey, you've been busy lately. I know you have had an operation recently. And then I saw you on with the Prime Minister. You are on TV last night. Correct. Um, yeah, it's been a full-on couple of months. We've had, uh, I was based myself over in England for three months at the start of the year around uh, May time. And uh, following on from that, went into Cairns, which is our pinnacle event for the year after Commonwealth Games in April. And that was Pan Pacific Champs. So raced really well there. Probably not as much so in the best physical condition that I could have been. But that was the sacrifice that I took to obviously find that extra one mental X factor going to England yeah. and then after the Pan Pacifics I came home, had surgery and that ended up also being a little bigger than intended and I ended up having my fibula removed out of my stump so that just meant that obviously the process of recovery was a little bit longer and uh, had to get all new recastings for uh, my prosthetics and I finally have a leg back now which is fantastic. Yeah, so you said that you had like a, off air, you sort of said that you had a month or so without a leg. Yeah, which is you don't realise what you actually sort of take for granted in life and it's amazing when something is taken away from you and in particular like a leg or a prosthetic for me, mm. um, just the small things around like working around the kitchen and just day-to-day life, you know, but you think of other people who have actually had to adapt um, yeah. to their lives and being on crutches for the rest of their lives. So, yeah, it definitely makes me appreciate my league a lot more. Yeah, I bet. And then I saw you with the Prime Minister a couple of days ago. What was that about? Yeah, so we've uh, just been confirmed that we have equal parity uh, with our able-bodied Olympians, which is just absolutely, obviously, fantastic. So that's pay. That is the pay, yes, uh, correct. And uh, it's fantastic in terms that, obviously, one, we deserve that um, through our, obviously, work ethic and our results. Uh, But, you know, we train with our alongside our Olympians on a daily basis, and they see us as no different either. And our results, obviously, shouldn't reflect any differently. So to now, obviously, have Jacinda and the government and High Performance Sport New Zealand Paralympics all working together and uh, making that happen for us athletes, us Paralympic athletes, to be equal to our able bodies allows us to focus solely on training now and yeah. not have to worry about obviously having to try and finance our, our ways to get to a pinnacle event. Yeah, I can imagine it makes a huge difference. And has there been quite a disparity for a while? There was quite a disparity leading into London. Paralympians were on uh, $15,000 a year and Olympians were on $60,000 a wow. year. That was a gold medal um, on a gold medal basis. 
after uh, London, there was a bit of a change and we're looking at the equal parity now. There's about a $10,000 increase. So to now be obviously fully equal right from, you know, gold right down to 10th. Yeah. Um, ranked in the world Uh, like obviously it's great for the ones that obviously want to get from the finalist position into succeeding in that top medal range as well which is this is going to be a huge help for them because um, from having a little bit more funding given to us after London was great but also it wasn't enough uh, for us to just be able to solely focus on $15,000 a year (laughs) anyone would struggle to live Yeah, but also, you know, now that drips down right down obviously into our development and that's exciting to see because obviously the Paralympic movement's growing every year and like I said, you want to see obviously the finalists start achieving their goals of, you know, having the dream of winning gold and now they can obviously with having a lot more financial help behind them. Which is great. How is Jacinda? Were you nervous? (laughs) I've met Jacinda a couple of times and she's amazing. I think she's just incredible empowering woman but beside that she's actually just a really down-to-earth woman who is so passionate about what she does for New Zealand and in particular the amount of passion she has behind sport you know I look back on we were celebrating 50 years of Paralympics New Zealand um, on Tuesday and I spoke before her and speaking is completely outside of my comfort zone. It's it's nerve-wracking, it's intimidating and, you know, you try and get everything across as much as possible and then you have Jacinda speak after you and you're sitting there going, crikey, no wonder she's got the job of <laughs> Prime Minister, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it is a, a tough act to go before, for sure. Obviously, you're a Paralympian. I want to go back to the start a little bit. You're a Paralympian because you lost your leg in an accident when you were younger. Can you share like, sort of a, a, a version of that story? Yes, I was two and a half years of age, uh, grew up on a lifestyle block and had an accident involving my father and a ride on lawnmower. Look, I don't remember anything of the accident, uh, but obviously my family do and obviously my father lives with it every single day. And I think for me, the accident obviously contributed to where obviously I am now, but it is definitely the best thing that ever happened to me. And I say that because of the position I am in today, but also how much it changed our family and our values and our morals and how much family means. And the biggest part of why I'm a Paralympian and what I do and why I want to win gold is actually because I get to make my parents proud and I get to see them witness that. And I get to change that image of a girl who had an accident and could have been brought up disabled, but her parents, you know, brought her up like her elder sister. And I get to change that image of the day of the accident, changing everybody's lives and making it one into a world champion. And that's so powerful for me to know that I've been able to do that through an accident that I know my father still struggles to live with today. And you see, yeah, you see the repercussions of that. And um, it's, it's tough at times that, you know, he does live with that image of what he saw. And he told me that he had to obviously pick me up and drive me to the hospital and carry me into the hospital. You know, I think of myself, if I was a parent and in that situation, it would be the worst feeling possible and the most devastating to know possibly what the outcome of the situation is going to be for a start. But to know that your whole life's just been completely changed in the split of a second. But we never look back on that 
in a negative way. You know, we've really made our accident, well, I say our, um, my accident and our accident into a real positive because, you know, accidents happen on a daily basis and it's whether you decide to make it a negative, you won't exactly have the most great lifestyle that you possibly could be. But we really turned it into a positive and, you know, the results have obviously shown from that and how close we are as a family and obviously the results um, physically of, you know, my work ethic and, you know, winning gold medals for New Zealand. Yeah. Do you think that, so you think the accident obviously brought the family closer together? Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, any sort of trauma obviously makes you rely on your support network around you. And my my dad's a pretty hard, stubborn, typical Kiwi bloke that doesn't show a lot of emotion and sort of came from, brought up in that era where seeking help was... Weakness. Yeah, absolutely. And to now know that he can rely on us around him and all my achievements and every time I go out and race, that to him is his strength, that yeah. he knows that actually... So made something for herself and, you know, I don't have to look back on this accident as negative. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such a cool thing. And you said before that it's, a, you know, I think it is empowering for other people as well to you've shown what's possible, I guess. And I think that is such a, I guess, a great metaphor, but just a cool story as well. And you, I like that you said that you look back as it's the, the best thing that ever happened to you. And that was one of my questions, actually. But, you know, like Steve Jobs he said, trust the dots. You know, he got fired from Apple at 30 and then he came back and, and he said getting fired is probably one of the best things because he trusts the dots and I think that's such a, a cool way to look at his little bit now and say that I'm actually sort of glad that happened. Do you, do you think that maybe some of the um, the mental strength you developed going through that post-accident process helped you in what you're doing now as an athlete? Totally and it's in lots of different ways and lots of different pockets how I've developed and I look from obviously this really young girl in particular fearless you know just took the world in her stride uh, was told what to do and would go do it and then if I had a goal on uh, say my friends were you know achieving them but I may have to adapt and I would still achieve it though you do you develop in time in another way, and and you learn your mental skills, and you know you don't stay fearless for the rest of your life. You do have a few fears, and uh, I base it off my three different campaigns. You know, I was fifteen at my first. Again, Olympics. yeah, yep. and I, you know, I look back then and I go, I was fearless then, and that's where it all sort of started. And then going into London, you become the expected. So you're taking on so much more more pressure, not just from yourself, uh, but from the rest of the nation because you've already obviously performed to a certain level and class and you have to obviously retain that because that's what we're about. That's what sport's about. You go back out and you've got to do it all over again. Taking on that pressure was probably one of the hardest things I took on at 19 and yeah, I uh, just left school um, I just solely wanted to focus on swimming because I was good at swimming I never put myself in an academic surrounding again and I'm paying for that now <laughs> at 25 I'm back at school but it was challenging more so when I came home I achieved what I needed to achieve I came out with three gold and three silver but I sort of went into a bit of a dark hole and I went into depression because I didn't actually sort of understand 
who I was anymore. I couldn't really identify that balance between Sophie Pascoe and Sophie. Mm -hmm. And already I had just learned then, you know, I'm not the fearless girl anymore. You know, I've taken on so many pressures and I've taken on my own pressures. And actually they're the biggest um, pressures. expectations on yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because I do set them so high, you know, I was speaking to a group of people yesterday and I was saying, actually, I set my goals so unrealistic because if they were realistic, everyone could achieve them. And I actually really like that because because I kind of go, well, I want to be the person that can challenge the unrealisticness. I want to be that person that can be different to everybody else. And so now I've then learned how to adapt and accept pressure and how I can move forward with pressure and use that as my adrenaline to perform, but also use it in my day-to-day life that it's about giving 100% to the day. And you know what? We, we all go through tough days. You know, it's not going to be smooth sailing at all. And But understanding that you can feel like that. You can have a bad day, but you can still get something out of that day that's going to obviously, when I'm standing behind those blocks, it's contributed. So for me now, it's about balancing the pressure between Sophie Pascoe and Sophie. And I know it's a really weird context to kind of use those two people, but I look at Sophie Pascoe as really unbreakable and really powerful and really empowering and wanting to influence and inspire others. And then I look at Sophie, who there is a little bit of a weakness, there's a little bit of vulnerability there because I'm now having to obviously think about life after swimming as well. And, you know, I'm wanting to study, I'm wanting to make the bigger picture more than what people see me as, as Sophie Pascoe the swimmer. Yeah. I want to be more than that. I want to leave the, a legacy for what I've achieved, not just in the pool, but also what I can do outside of the pool. I guess what you're saying is that the pressure that, that you felt, the the resilience you've had to provide the um, grit and perseverance to achieve the things you have, you think that that may be as a result of dealing with things when you were younger? I definitely think adversity is a huge contributor to success. And obviously I've gone through the adversity of having the accident. I've seen some really tough times in our family because of my accident as well but then I look back at that fearless can I go when someone says I couldn't do something I would always find a way and do it and that just goes to show you that adversity is so powerful that when you get told you can't do something or when you struggle to do something but if you find a way to go outside of your comfort zone and make it happen that's even more empowering to know that a future is going to be bright and successful. Yeah, that can be the fuel almost, can't it? Yeah, and then I look at the personal side of it with obviously the growth and that Sophie side. You know, there was a lot of times, and I still, to be quite honest with you, I still go through the hard times of feeling different in society and feeling really self-conscious. And I look back on my high school days and I was quite self-conscious of the way I looked. And I think um, social media is a really big influencer on that today in a negative way and in a positive way. Obviously, I want to show that positive side, uh, but I think sometimes we do get so caught up in that negative side of social media. And I can still admit that I still feel vulnerable at times that I am a little bit self-conscious and I'm going to live with that vulnerability probably for the rest of my life. But it's about the way you handle that. And uh, I feel like for me, swimming almost overshadows that vulnerability at times as well. And so then it reminds me, actually, well, if I can put so much hard work and what I can do into being a successful swimmer, then I know that that's going to channel into my Sophie side as well. And it's about going, actually, you know what? I don't care what anyone else thinks about my body imperfections is what you may want to call them. But for me, it's made me into who I am. So 
I look at it in those two different um, perspectives. Yeah, it's interesting that you've got sort of almost two different personas that you sort of you sort of change between. Is there like a do you differentiate them? Do you say like right, it's training time. I am this is what I'm doing, and or is it how do you sort of differentiate the two? I never change either of them. They have to actually be together to be able to be you know the powerful, confident athlete and person because I can't just turn up to the training and be so Pasco, you know, that Sophie, which is the love and the passion for swimming, that person also has to show up as well. And, you know, there are days obviously where, you know, I'm going, I absolutely hate the training right now, but there's a reason why I'm there. And then that's when that Sophie Pasco clicks in. Um, and then that's when that love and that passion clicks in as well. So it has to really combine together to be this one powerful person altogether. I only sort of differ them when one of them is weaker or stronger than the other and then that's where I need to go right I need to work on this or I need to focus on this to be able to build them up so then you know when I'm going into the next campaign when I'm going to be standing behind those blocks in Tokyo I know they're both going to be confident people but it's at the end of the day it's a confident person yeah um, how did you figure all that out? Like that's a, that's an amazing <laughs> insight. You know, for, obviously I'm not an athlete, and, and there's probably not many people that are listening that are athletes. Like, is that something that you got taught, or is that just something that sort of naturally unfolded and you sort of discovered? And you're like, you know, this kind of works. I've got this sort of like vulnerable, passionate person over here, and I've just got this like ruthless athlete over here, and the perfect combination of those two seems to be really successful. Is that something you that just came about naturally? I think you surround yourself with this amazing support network and. I've got an amazing team that back me every single day to do what I do. And I have lots of little links where I tick into. And in particular, you know, you have a psychologist, you have a life advisor, and you have your core support team that you work with who question lots of different parts about you as an athlete and then as a person. And then it does make you start to think, where can you improve? Because you are constantly, at the end of the day, you become a perfectionist when you're an athlete. You're constantly wanting to perfect your technique. You're constantly wanting to perfect your balance in life. So you are almost questioned as, well, how can we make you a bigger and better athlete going into this next campaign? And so you look back on what you have achieved and what you may not have achieved, and then you go, right, well, where can we make you a better athlete and so then that's when you start looking at almost those two different sides but your team sort of question you on that they kind of go well so you know what are you doing at the moment outside of swimming and if you're going nothing well then really your sole focus is on sport which is concerning because really you should have a, a balance outside of that so I think yeah your support network has and myself have been able to create these two different people again yeah. but actually at, at the end of the day it all links into that one person that's standing behind those blocks yeah and it really works as well obviously you talked about before when you you come back from an event and i can imagine there must be so much hype when you, you know particularly when you've you know achieved as well as you have you're on tv and in the paper and you said you talked about going to almost like a depression sort of state afterwards is that sort of a result of going from such big highs to then sort of coming back and like you know tuesday happening and you're like oh well it must be such a contrast. Yep. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, you have obviously just competed against the rest of the world. You've challenged yourself against the rest of the world. And people love that, you know, and if you're successful with it, they love it even more. And they look up to you and they 
and you become an influencer and you can become an inspiring person all by doing what you love. And that's really humbling to me. However, it can also get a little bit overwhelming at times because you do realise that you are that person, that you can change people's lives through what you do. And so you're also taking on that pressure from the rest of the world or the nation and, and your friends and your family. And maybe it's pressure that we put on ourselves that we go, well, we have to stay successful. We have to keep doing that because it's empowering for us to feel that we can obviously touch somebody's lives somehow by what we do. But I do like to use the example after London. It was all very overwhelming for me. It's when, you know, Paralympics started to really evolve in, in media and the Paralympic movement really started to excel. So I did become a bit of a household name and I, I came home and I just sort of lost that identity and I took on all that pressure, but I took it on a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of anxiety around how do you take that pressure on? And that was really challenging for me to sort of find out how you balance that. So that was a really stepping stone for me to kind of go, right, how do I manage that? How do I put a support network in place for me to be able to be, you know, take on um, the big adventure because at the end of the day there's so many lanes that we drive down and I always use my bus analogy that I have and um, I look back on Beijing you know I was sitting at the back of the bus to London I was sitting in the middle of the bus and then I Rio I was co-driving the bus and now going to Tokyo I'm driving the bus and Rolly's the map and there are just so many driveways you can drive down uh, that you take on and that you have to take on and like I love that, but you do take on that pressure. And so now I just I have to just step into a stone where I can use my support team and go, right, I've got to manage that as well. Yeah, and I guess you've probably developed some pretty effective strategies now. Like it's, it's been uh, – how many years have you been competing at this level for? 14 years now, which so I guess is you've such a long time. A, a bit, and, and, and I guess it's experience, isn't it? You know, yeah. in whatever field anyone's in, I think experience um, allows and you to – you learn along the way. So, I mean, I – with having the surgery post Cairns and because it was obviously uh, the recovery road was a lot longer than intended, it's been a really hard month for me. I, you know, started to fall into that black hole a little bit. But when you know, and now that I obviously know what that looks like, it's straight away on the phone to my psychologist and on the phone to my support network. So they're tapping in straight away as well and checking up on me. And um, So you don't let it get to a place where it's disrupting you. You sort of can identify now, those I things can... now and go, this is what's happening, let's sort it out. And so you're able to stay at a level where um, it doesn't affect you too much. Yeah, and because you know what that place looks like and it's not, it's yeah. not a great place. Yeah. And I know that. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have gone into that or are in that, but it's about knowing that you can seek help and that you can put your hand up and go, someone please, you know, guide me and get me out of this. Mm. I think particularly New Zealand has a culture where that's not really, it's not something we do. You know, we don't go out and say, hey, like this is, you know, you obviously have got a network now and people, you can reach out to it, but a lot of people maybe don't have that. And I think, you know, the Inspire Foundation were involved in that's something that we're trying to do now as well. Um, and I think it's actually Mental Health Week at the moment, I think. So maybe that's a uh, good thing to recognise. I do want to know, do you think you would have ended up swimming if you hadn't have had your accident? Like, I guess you've probably thought about this, you've probably been asked it before. Would you have ended <laughs> up swimming? To be quite honest, no. And I don't, well, I don't know, actually. You can't say yes or no because the accident, I'm a firm believer in fate and things happen for a reason and obviously has given me this life or contributed to my life today. 
I could have been a very different person. I believe the accidents just opened me up to so many opportunities, met some amazing people that have helped me, that have inspired myself, that I've gained amazing learnings from having a disability. And I think that's a really powerful thing for me as well. You know, we see the Paralympic movement and, you know, we see people with disabilities in society as equals. And the knowledge that has come around that and how far we've moved as a country and society in, in that respect huge for me because one of my biggest values is equality. I think if I'd never had that accident, I would have learned with the society, the change in society along the road, like everybody else, rather than actually being involved in it now. Spearheading it, yeah. Yeah, and, and being the person behind it and actually help changing people's perceptions on people with disabilities. Yeah, I think you're doing an incredible job as well. What are, what are your times like compared to like an Olympic athlete who's, um, you know, compared to a Paralympic athlete? Like where would you... They, they are very different. Are they? Um, I think, obviously, a full leg would. Yeah. <laughs> another full leg would definitely, obviously, enhance me a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is why I think the amazing thing we can see now is we we do have that integration with Commonwealth Games, and so um, you know we we race in our own classifications alongside obviously the able bodies racing at the same time, which I think is amazing, and obviously it's the right competition for that to happen. In terms of an Olympic Games and a Paralympic Games being combined, and I do get asked that quite a lot as well, I actually think no. I love the fact that we are two weeks after. We, we, the Paralympics almost tend to get the better end of the stick because we, you know, they've gone through the Olympics, they're all prepped, they're ready to go. And <laughs> they've sorted out all the problems. They've sorted out all the problems and they're ready to go on to, for the Paralympics. Um, but it's so big, you know, and sport is becoming so big in this in the world. And... Th- you know, if you were to combine all of it, it would really just take the shine off sport, I think, because yeah. people would get – it would be too much sport over because they'd have to host it over nearly a month or two months yeah, yeah, yeah. to be able to cater for everybody's yeah. races. So the fact that we can put it into two special yeah. games and people really thrive off getting excited for the, you know, the Paralympics after the Olympics and people getting excited leading up into the Olympics – I think that's awesome. I would love to see them two working together, though, the IOC and the IPC working together and um, combining to make sure that, you know, we are getting the same recognition as our Olympic bodied, able bodied athletes, Mm -hmm. um, because our successes are obviously just as uh, much um, as powerful as what the uh, Olympic athletes are doing for themselves. So you work just as hard. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like, you know, there's definitely room for that and that's what time does and this is what the Paralympic movement's all about. So I think we can definitely see some pretty big milestones happening in, in the next few years with Paralympic sports. Yeah, great. Were you always so competitive? Like when you were younger, do you think back, were you always really competitive? Because I remember I ran into you just after you got back from the Commonwealth Games and I said, I was like, congratulations, like you just won two gold medals. And I was like, you must be stoked. And I remember you sort of looked down and you're like, oh, well, that was all right. And I just remember thinking like, <laughs> what? I was like, you went over there, you, you swam in two races and or two events and you got two gold medals. And then I was like, what do you mean you're disappointed? You're like, oh, I would have liked to have swum a bit faster. Mm. And I was just like, that for me was like a, a mind-blowing insight into the way that you see the world and, and, and the way you sort of measure yourself. Like, are we always that competitive? I think that 
grows with time and being wanting to be the best athlete you possibly can be. I think, yeah, in general, I probably was always a very competitive person. Again, I take it back to my, you know, my school days and, you know, even kindergarten and, you know, my first day at kindergarten and all these kids are climbing up on top of the jungle gym. And next thing here I am with no leg climbing up to the top and my mum's going, oh yeah, she'll be right. And, you know, all, you know, all the teachers are going, no, 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 no. And that just goes to show that I had that competitive drive already, that I was going to be like my other peers around me, but I was always going to conquer the mountain and I was going to find a way of doing it myself and wanting to always get the best out of me. And then in sport, and I, you say that about Commonwealth Games, that I love the fact that I obviously was able to race and take on my two golds and retain them, but they really weren't that good enough for me. I wanted more out of me and I knew that leading into Commonwealth Games I was on track to targeting the times that I had in place the goals and I didn't hit those goals but I may have got the gold and that's what everybody loves but when you're an athlete and you become a perfectionist you want more than just the gold you want to know that you raced it in the perfect race you possibly could and yeah, it just goes to show that I'm constantly always like that. I'm constantly finding flaws where I can improve on. And I think actually it's a really good way to look at it because now I know there is room for improvement. And when I go into Tokyo, you know, I'm going to be obviously, I've trained and done everything I possibly could to know that I'm going to hit those target times next time. So yeah, I think when you, you're constantly wanting to observe the competition and you want to pick up their weaknesses so you can you know, obviously override those and you look at your own weaknesses and you go, I need to make them into strengths. So when I completely go walk away from swimming, I've gone, I've just swum the perfect race. And at the moment, I haven't swum the perfect race. So I'm still finding that. And that's why, that's why we train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, it's just an incredible mindset. So you touch the wall. You look up, you, I guess you look at it, there's a big TV screen there, so you, you look up, you, your name you, it sees that you've won or you see your face and you're like, that means I've won. You know, is it, <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you figure it out? Like, and, then you, and then you went, then you look at your time and you're like, damn it. Like, well, yeah. Does... Um, I think you are aware of your surroundings oh, yeah. always. I am constantly always aware of my surroundings and I've won gold. I can't ask for much better than a gold medal, obviously. <laughs> but what comes with gold is beyond that. It's that world record time that I'm constantly wanting to beat. But at the end of the day, I've just won gold for my country. I've got the national anthem playing behind me and behind my New Zealand flag. And that's those two minutes that no one else can take away from you. And you realise this is the position that you've worked so hard to. I may not have got the time I wanted to, but I gave the best I possibly could. And obviously I've reaped the rewards yeah. for what I You do I enjoy that moment though? Like you do. I love it. Well, that's yeah. what I strive for. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is about the national anthem for me and holding the New Zealand flag. And the gold medal is actually just the icing on the cake. And then if I get, you know, the triple combo with the world record as well, then that's where it really sinks in that you've just become the world's best. Yeah. When you get to that elite level, a gold medal is the best feeling in the world for your country. And to then know that you've won, got it in a world record time, you've then set a challenge and a benchmark for the rest of the world. And I think that's 
yeah, it's an amazing feeling to know that, you know, how long yeah. is that record going to stand for? Yeah, I bet. How do you measure success in yourself? Is it world records? Is it gold medals? Is it happiness? Is it, you know, I mean, everyone's different. This, and this podcast is called The Road to Success and I ask this to everyone and I'm just really interested to get an insight from different people and, and, you know, how is it that you sort of measure your own success? Obviously you've got things like, you know, your times and your records and your medals and stuff and how do you determine whether you feel successful or not? I think successful for me is the integrity of why I do what I do and it is my why and my why is to not let my disability define who I am. Success for me is knowing that when I move forward from a challenge I've taken on board like swimming and to be the best in the world in swimming to when I walk away and going, I've just sent the benchmark and I can be proud of myself, but also knowing when I move forward onto the next chapter of my life that my kids are then going to be proud and then my grandchildren are going to be proud and they're going to look back and they're going to go, what an amazing mother I had. And I think I really look back on that with my own family. So success for me is about happiness, integrity, family values, the love and passion you have for something. And if all of those are working together, that's success for me. And it's just powerful to know that I look back on, if I'm going to be a mother like my mum, I'm going to be a proud mother. If I'm going to be a grandmother like my grandmother, I'm going to be a proud grandmother. But that's the next chapter of my life and that's where I'll take that on board. But it's about leaving this legacy. That word there as well really contributes into the factor of successful for me. You know, I want to be able to change the way we go about sport and the Paralympic movement in our society. And if I've been able to change that and touch a lot of people's lives, you know, it's it's really powerful for me. So there's so many contributing factors. But again, it's it does come down to integrity and values and love and passion and and family for me. Yeah, and that almost is is your drive as well. You know, like that's how you measure success, but that's also the by the sounds of it, the sort of fuel to your fire almost. Yeah. I think if you can be successful being different to everyone else, difference is good. I really like the word different as well. I think you can people can look at it and they might go, oh, Well you're different but then you've gone and achieved something that they haven't been able to do. Well, actually, they're the one that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can always use that um, yeah, really in lots cool. of people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think I think you do inspire people, as you said. I think you're very empowering. But part of being a swimmer and being so successful is, I guess, you know, what goes along with it is almost the fame, you know. Like it's – I know you, you don't get into swimming, you know, trying to be famous, but it's sort of – I mean, I know it sort of happened over a 14-year period, but I wonder what that is like because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like I see your face on a billboard, you know, and there's like these these big international companies that, that are wanting to just be a part of you and align themselves with you and, and um, you know, some, some not even in sport and – you know, you, you come back from an Olympic Games and you're famous for, you know, you must be a household, you are a household name in New Zealand. Like, is that, like, what's that like? You know, I, I, I mean, obviously I could have no <laughs> idea. I'd just be interested to know. Um, look, from my view to everybody else, uh, like I said, it's just so humbling to obviously know that I can touch a lot of people's lives by just doing what I love and that I can inspire people for me to be able to go down to the poolside and have children wanting autographs. And I just look at that and I go, wow, you know, to be able to just 
be able to do what I love and I've helped inspire a kid to be able to go I want to win a gold medal for New Zealand well it's an incredible feeling to know that you can do that but I have amazing supporters um, and sponsors who like you said have aligned themselves with me but I've aligned myself with the right support team and and the right sponsors that can have the same values as me and that's so important to be able to obviously be the successful athlete I am out of the pool as well because obviously those brands and those companies that you align yourself with they're obviously going to and help you um, get that across to everyone else you know what your values are and what you're wanting to try and do and just really be proud of your successes as well yeah. so you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to me who I align myself with, mm-hmm. you know, who approaches me. And I obviously have a, gu- a team behind me, a management team behind me who guide me as well. But at the end of the day, it is me. And I believe that I've put myself with the right people. And those people are obviously going to definitely pursue the fact that Sophie's values are these yeah. and we're going to push for that. And I would n- never align myself who didn't have the same values. So, the brands that I'm associated with and the support network I'm associated with are all people I 100% trust and they've got that 100% trust in me as well. Yeah. And that just really continues out how I can touch people's lives on a wider spectrum. Yeah. Is it still weird though when like, is your mum or your grandma like just proud when she sees you on TV? Or? I think my Nana's more famous than I am. <laughs> <laughs> she seems to get more TV coverage when, uh, you know, of her cheering and supporting back home and watching me than me on TV. So she's just proud, eh? She yeah. So proud. My yeah. family are all very proud. And I think we're all very proud of all the children inside our family. We're all so different, we're all very successful in different ways. I look at my sister who's been studying for the exact same amount of time as me and in fourth year med now, you know, to be able to study for 15 years and go from a nurse that decided she wanted to be a doctor and take that on board. It's incredible to be so different but also so powerful as a family and then to also just love and respect and be proud of each other. Yeah, but what are you most proud of? What is it when you sort of <laughs> you look back? And you've got a lot of different things you've mentioned, but you know, obviously you were the flag bearer. Um, you know, you've won Hellburg awards. Like, is there is there a sort of thing that you go like, man, you know, I'm really really. Proud I think of that. we've talked a lot about family, but it really does come back to that. And yeah. I'm proud to be a daughter. Yeah, that's a great answer. Do you have a strategy for overcoming challenges? Because, like anyone, whatever, whether it's in it's in business, it's in sport, it's in life. There's, we, as you said before, we're going to face adversity. We're going to find challenges. Is there anything that you, you know, a specific tool or tactic that you go and, and you're all right? This has happened. I know what to do. Here's the process. Let's go. Do you have some sort of system that you follow for that? I really tap into, again, it comes all down to the mentor side because we can all train ourselves to be, in my respect, in sport. We can all be the best we possibly can be physically standing behind those blocks, but it really does come down to that who's got that extra mental factor that's going to win it. And that comes from the drive of wanting to be successful I have to tap into that every single day. You know, every day is a challenge from getting up in the morning to going to bed at night knowing I've gone 100%. How you tap into that and where you tap into that is where you question yourself and you go, why am I doing this? And I think it really comes down to the question why. And if you're not in it for the right reasons, well then, 
you're not going to go out of your comfort zone. You're going to stay content and you're not going to push yourself and you're not going to push the barriers. Whereas if obviously you want to challenge yourself and you question your why and you go, no, I am doing this. I am doing it for the right reasons. All of a sudden your brain will click into that and it will go, let's just jump in the deep end. You find a way, don't you? Yeah. I think if you're obviously put in a position where you're having to fight getting out of something, you'll find a way. And you're going to go down every angle and avenue to obviously find a way um, when you're obviously put in a position where you can't, of the uncontrollables. Um, but it may be, a, you know, a life-threatening um, position. Yeah. You're obviously always going to try and find a way to get out of it. Yeah. So you are capable. Every human is actually capable. It's whether or not you want to actually find a way or not. Yeah, and I guess, like you said, it's about having that compelling reason why that sort of, what is it that sort of um, that drives you and I guess pulls you and you've got that sort of fear and I guess that whenever you find a challenge, you can sort of go back to that and that allows you to sort of find a way. Totally, but I know that I've also got the support network around me that really contributes for me doing why I do what I do, you know. Um, yep. like I talk about that life-threatening position. Well, if you know you've got that support network around you that's also going to help hands and get you out of there, well, that obviously is another reason why as well and knowing that you can do it. So, I mean, I turn up to the pool every single day and my coach is there waiting for me. And so we're there for the right reasons, the same reasons and the same goal and focus. And again, I go to the gym, same thing, you know, pick up the phone anytime I want, my psychologist. It works in a roundabout way and, um, you know, everyone wants the best out of everyone. Yeah, I think having the right people around you no matter what you're doing, you know, whether it is sport or business or even just trying to be happy, I think I think having mm. um, having a wonderful group around you is, um, is incredibly important. Do you think about life after swimming? You know, you sort of alluded to it a couple of times. You said you've gone back to school. You know, like, I guess, well, I guess I know you've thought about it because you've told me, but I guess my question is how do you sort of balance that so that you don't lose focus on what you're doing but also are preparing yourself for um, your future as well? Mm. I've had to think about that a lot more than (laughs) where I was four years ago uh, because I do have to realise that, you know, life after sport is coming a lot quicker now than where I was four years ago and, um you know, I'm putting plans in place. So the transition is a lot easier than how we have seen some sports people try and transition into the real world afterwards. And it's very challenging because we've been so used to such a different lifestyle. So at the moment, yeah, I've put myself back into studying and studying business and management. But I also use my life advisor who helps control that in a manner where we can obviously work out where the best times to study are and when the assignments can be due. And they and she works with the tutors and the polytechs or the universities to be able to make sure that, you know, they are supporting the athlete to know that their main focus at the moment is achieving their sporting successes on the world stage. However, you know, we need to prepare for life afterwards. So to have somebody that can manage that side of it for me and then I can obviously tap in onto my laptop, um, you know, when I'm overseas or when I'm at home and know that I'm working towards life afterwards is really important. You know, I chose business and management, one, because it's broad, but also, you know, to hopefully see myself in a position where I can be running my own team again. Mm. Um, You know, at the moment I'm running my own team, but I know it doesn't always work like that when you go out into the real world. So 
I'm constantly finding new things that I can try and tap into that challenge me into for life outside of sport and meeting people and having the opportunities in the networks as well um, are really important because you know someone may want to help someone one day and um, they might put out their hand and I could be that extra helping hand and then it may lead you into a position where you've always wanted to be. Yeah. At this stage, I have no idea yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I want to do, what I want to be. That's why I'm studying, you know, the broad side of it at the moment so I can may pick up things that I go, I love that. I yeah. really want to just take that passion and drive it afterwards. Great. I meant to ask this before actually, but I want to know about a little bit about your pre-race routine because I see you in person and you're smiley <laughs> and you're lovely and you just look, you're the friendliest person oh. ever. And then I see you before a race and you look like you're there to fight. Like it's just like, I know you've got goggles on, but you look in your eyes and it's just like, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's powerful. What is it that you're thinking? How do you yeah, I, and I have been told that I'm quite intimidating around poolside. But do you know what? I love that. I love the fact that I can be told that because there you go, you have those lots of different personalities you can tap into. And I want to be that bitch around the pool, you know. Um, and that's what I tap into. As soon as I know that I've got a race coming up, you've prepped yourself obviously from the moment you wake up to right before your race. And your attitude in that time is a completely different attitude to what I'm like post-race between lunchtime and then the finals again at night. You kind of teach yourself those different personalities and those different attitudes because how you approach things is obviously your attitude shows in that. So I am taking on a fight. My war zone, you know, just clicks in straight away. You know, I always like to look at it like we have a call-up room and in the call-up room you have eight men who are ready to take on a challenge and then you have the eight females and it's a very hostile situation and everyone has their own ways of how they're going to go into this war and you know for me I really like to use my psychology side and my tactics um, mentally because I know that well if I can break someone in the call-up room well you know then I've only got six people left to go um, to take on that fight so those tactics come with passion of how much I really want to win I don't know where it sort of came from but it goes to show that when I am willing to fight it'll just click and that's obviously the competitive side of me and it works as well obviously it really does work and then I can be Sophie afterwards and most of our um, competitors we race against we're all friends yeah bet but it's not for that few minutes literally there's a few minutes yeah before and it's worked out to be about 30 minutes yeah that we don't talk we you know we play the mocking tactics we play the staring tactics and and that's also a relaxing situation for us athletes as well you know if we're clicking into those tactics it's a way of taking the focus of the nerves and using those nerves as adrenaline rush for us but if you're doing all those sorts of tactic playing it takes us really off like what we're going into yeah, and how yeah. scary it is actually what for what we're going into because, again, it's all those pressures. So it's a managing system for me. Um, you know, if I'm tapping into that and if Rolly sees me like that, he's, he knows what the outcome's going to be. Wow, and I think I do. I think that if you can, if you can do that with whatever business or management situation you end up in, I mean, is, that, I mean, is that the goal? Was to try and take some of the things you've you've learnt in, in this idea and, and go into um, take them forth and be able to use them in whatever follows. 
Absolutely. I mean, we can learn off anybody that has so many strengths that we can obviously learn off. For me, I I feel there's so many strengths I've been I've learned along my time of swimming, and swimming's always going to be part of my life for the rest of my career and whatever I choose to do afterwards. And I look at that and I go, well, I'm going to have to take what I've learned out of swimming and bring that into my next chapter of my life because, you know, swimming's never going to obviously fail me. I've yeah. been successful in it. I'm known for being Sophie Pasco the swimmer, but I can use parts of that success to take into the next chapter. You know, where those are at the moment, I don't know because yeah. obviously I don't know where I'm going to go. But I think there's definitely some real benefits. I can imagine. I've no doubt you'll be successful if you can take on that sort of persona as well. Just to finish up, as an interesting question. What sort of lights you up at the moment? What are you sort of obsessed with? What is sort of what do you lay awake sort of thinking about? And I was just interested to see where people's attention is at the moment. You know, sort of you know, it might be a Netflix show or a restaurant or a food or an Instagram page or you know, what is what is sort of what's going on at the moment? What lights you up? At the moment, I've got a whole entire new landscape happening. So <laughs> that's really what's lighting me up at the moment, seeing the progress in my landscape design coming to life yeah. and uh, knowing that I'm going to, you know, enjoy that over the summer period. So, you know, the smallest things that um, you know, could be small to a lot of people have become so big to me, even though when you've got all these other things happening outside of your life and, and what your focus is on, which is swimming and being successful for world cha- going into world champs next year, you need that balance. And for me, it's, you know, it's looking at my landscape and going, this is awesome. You know, I love the fact that I've got a deck now. And then now it's seeing that, you know, the paint's going on and and then it'll be the flowers and the, and the plants. So, yeah, it's, it might be small, but it's enjoyable to see. Small things are the big things. <laughs> exactly. That's what I've learned. Sophie, thank you so much for being part of this and jumping on the show. How can people follow you? If they want to find out more about what you're doing, <laughs> where are you? Oh, look, you can follow me on Instagram, which is SophPasco1, Twitter, SophPasco, and on Facebook, Sophie Pasco. So have a follow and you can follow my career. Wonderful. Sophie, thanks so much. You're a legend. And we look forward to the World Champs next year. Correct. Yes, correct? The, over in Malaysia and Kuching. And then 2020 Tokyo. Absolutely. Best of luck. Cheers. You're thank a legend. You. Thanks so much. And there it is, episode number three. Thank you so much for listening. I honestly appreciate the hell out of you for listening. It really means the world to me. Thank you also to Sophie. I know she's busy, so I really appreciate her making the time. Hey, if you got any value out of today's episode whatsoever, I would really appreciate it if you could do one of two things. One would be to share this episode to someone else who obviously may get some value out of it. And secondly, would be to jump onto iTunes and leave a review or a rating as long as it's a good one. If it's a bad one, don't leave a review. Good ones only. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. See you. Bye.